0: Woke up quick at about noon. Love goings, what's good? We made it here. It's July 30th. It is Thursday, July 30th. Welcome into the podcast with Damian Barling and today is the day that the NBA gets started. I, I, I'll i put my words on a piece of paper and I'll, I'll season them up and eat them. I did not think this was going to happen. I was skeptical even a month and a half ago if this was happening. I think I was skeptical at the beginning of July if we were actually going to get here and get to the day that games restarted. I remember when this all shut down way back on March 11th. And I can't figure out... Time is a bitch, man. Like, I can't figure out if March 11th was a really long time ago or it feels like yesterday. I, I can't figure out whether this... I can't figure out whether this COVID... Crisis and this lockdown for some of us has gone fast or slow. But I remember doing the podcast the day after the 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 Kings and the Pelicans were supposed to play, and the day after that the bizarre jazz and thunder game. I remember the podcast that day saying I think tonight's game against the Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings game against the Pelicans. It was the last game on the NBA schedule. I thought that was going to be the last game that we saw without fans. I remember being agitated, or I thought it was going to be the last game we saw with fans. I remember being agitated at the Kings because the Warriors had already announced they were going to be playing the following night's game in an empty arena. And I thought, well, San Francisco, Sacramento, they're pretty close. I I think the Sacramento Kings need to follow suit, and they need to shut this thing down tonight. And and just play the Pelicans in an empty arena. And, you know, obviously, you know, Rudy Gobert happened. The season was suspended. None of that happened. And, you know, here we are all this time later uh, looking to wrap up that same season. And it's bizarre because, you know, we want to we want to pick and we want to choose. And, well, it's going to be the Pelicans or it's going to be the the Kings. It's going to be the Blazers. it's It's going to be whoever like, dude, we have no clue. We have no idea. Like, we look at the Kings, and, you know, we'll get into tonight's game, uh, of course, but we look at the Kings and their game tomorrow. It is pretty, it's it's, this, this next two weeks could really suck if the Kings lose tomorrow. Because it's, it's, there, there are games you're going to drop along the way. You've got matchups against the Pelicans, there's going to be difficult matchups, and this is going to happen to New Orleans as well. It's going to happen to Portland as well. It's going to happen to all of the teams in contention. But when you're coming out and you're trying to set the tone for what the next eight games are going to look like and you're trying to, you know, establish you're here to make a playoff push, you've got to beat San Antonio, who's here because they have to be. It's pretty much the extent of it. They're ready, you know, they they want to get some run in. You know, we've seen Becky Hammond coach, we've seen Tim Duncan coach. I think they'll probably have strong voices. I think they always have strong voices, but I think they'll have stronger voices in these next eight games. Uh, I think, you know, Pop is going to use this as a teaching tool. We know the Marcus Aldridge is there. There's quite a few players that aren't there. I think San Antonio is just going to try to get through this. Now, Phoenix, that's a little bit more interesting of a situation. Like, what is Phoenix? I believe Monty Williams is going to have these guys ready to play. Four months ago, you know, they weren't particularly good. But that's a team that was poised for a jump. It's just, what was the jump? Like, they were already better than they were last year. But that's a low, low bar. What are they now? Or or better yet, what were they four months ago? Well, they were a little bit better. So what are they now, though? Like, like they were poised for an off-season jump. Well, we kind of just had an off-season. We basically just had an off-season where you could only sign, you know, certain players. You could sign the Corey Brewer types. You could sign the J.R. Smith types. You know, there weren't going to be any marquee free agent signings during this mini offseason. There was no draft during this mini offseason. You're basically returning, for the most part, the same team, you know, give or take a couple of pieces. And there's another thing that I was wrong about. I thought there were going to be a number of stars opting, not a number. I thought there was going to be a Uh, uh, yeah, I thought there were going to be a a good handful of not like LeBron, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook stars, but maybe more like second tier stars, like a CJ McCollum type. You know what I mean? I I thought there were going to be more guys who were just like, yeah, dude, no, I'm not doing this. And credit to the NBA, what they're doing is working. When you look at what's happening with, Major League Baseball, I think you're staring down the barrel of what's about to happen with the NFL. And the system that the NBA has created, and, and honestly, the not nearly as secure wobble that the WNBA is in, is working as well. Now the WNBA, unfortunately, uh, unlike the NBA, they've lost a lot of stars. Uh, who you know opted out? There were medical concerns for both Tina Charles and Elena Deladon. That really you know bitch slapped the Washington Mystics. Um, you know Liz Cambage isn't around for the Aces. You know there's a, a a couple of stars that aren't around for the for the Las Vegas Aces who would have been a title contending team. I mean there are some big name players that are missing. There are some big name players that are there. Sue Bird is there. Brianna uh, Stewart is there. Um, Diana Taurasi is there point being what they're doing is working what the NBA is doing is is working and they deserve to be commended for that because the NBA to get through this season it's I mean it's, a, it's it'll be a huge accomplishment and I heard and I and I you know I hate to you know on the on the day that the NBA season starts I hate to look ahead to next season but I'm sure many of you saw the quote from Michelle Roberts talking about next season uh, Michelle Roberts the head of the the director of the NBA Players Association, she said, and I quote, if tomorrow looks like today, I don't know how we say we can do it differently. She's talking about another bubble. If tomorrow looks like today, and today we all acknowledge, and this is not Michelle talking, this is the league talking with the PA and our respective experts saying this is the way to do it, then that's going to have to be the way we do it. Again, she's referring to a bubble. So there's a lot there in that quote. She's saying if, you know, when the season starts, if it looks the same way or if at the time the season is scheduled to start or around the time the season is scheduled to start, uh, if things are exactly the same, we're going to have to operate in a bubble. There's 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 a lot there to take in. One, if in four months... The United States of America looks the same as it does today. It, pff, it doesn't matter what the NBA does, like we're fucked. Like we're in such trouble if in four months everything looks the same. Because I mean, think about where we're at now five five, five months ago, four, or four months ago, whenever March was, I, I don't know, whenever March was. we we kind of got a grasp on this. I remember I remember doing podcasts and reading articles that said... Hey, look at Sacramento. Sacramento is one of the one of the best metropolitan areas in terms of of keeping this COVID crisis under control. Hey, look at California. Look at all the things that we've done right. Look at how big California is, and look at how we've gotten this thing under control, especially with cities like San Francisco and and Los Angeles. Hey, look at us. And now look where we are today. California is one of the worst states in the country. We have really screwed this up. And if if it's like this in, I mean, they'll have to make plans. I mean, I assume she's talking about maybe October. If it's still like this in October. I'm not talking about things being completely better and, you know, we're out hanging out and in big crowds, which some people are doing anyways, because they don't give a damn. But I'm I'm just talking about, okay. W- okay. We've gotten, we've gotten a handle on this thing. We know how to make it better. If, if we don't have that by October. And there are a lot more concerns than where the damn NBA games are going to be played. But it does bring an interesting question is whether the NBA could operate an entire season inside of a bubble. I There's no way they could operate 82 games inside of a bubble. So if we're talking, you know, she's talking about next season, we've got to start talking about, and they've already done this. Uh, I think the initial, you know, return date for next season was scheduled for the beginning of December. And the NFL Players Association, or excuse me, the NBA Players Association, was like, ah, we agree, like we're we're good, like everything in this everything in this modified collective bargaining agreement that's going to get us back to play uh, in this bubble scenario is perfect, except that December first date. Let's revisit that and just mark it as a tentative date and not a hard start. And the NBA was like, yeah, cool, no problem. So if we're looking at a Christmas start date. If we're looking at a post, you know, if we're looking at an actual 2021 start date and then potentially a 60-game season or a 50-game season, still feels like a really tall order to operate from what would be January to June, what would be half of 2021 in a similar situation as to what you're doing right now. Again, it's... It, it, and they're, and they're going to be here for a while. I mean, they've been there since July... Well, see, this is the difficult part. If we do the whole season under a bubble, we're going January to what, roughly April, where all 30 teams are there. And then you're cutting it down, you know, to 16. So from April to, you know, June, the middle of June, the teams, you know, cut down from 16 down to two. We're starting, let's see, what do we've got? The beginning of July to the middle of August, so about a month and a half with 22 teams. It feels doable because everybody can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and this, is, this is just my estimation. Everybody can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But what's it going to look like for, like pick a team that's going to be in, pick a team that's going to be in the conference finals. What, maybe the, Maybe the Clippers. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the Lakers, maybe the Rockets. See, I, I can't really envision it from the Lakers, but, but, but maybe. Like, think about a situation where you're around. Like, these guys are around each other all the time. You'll hear this from professional athletes sometimes. When they get a day off, sometimes it's not because their body needs rest. Sometimes it's not because they don't want to practice. Sometimes they just need to be away from each other. You need to be away from your teammates. You need to be away from your coaches. We all experience that in our real work life, right? In the, in the non-athletic work life. When we go to work, sometimes it's not like, oh, the job is getting to us. It's so tough. Sometimes you just need to get the hell away from your co Sometimes you need to get away from your boss or your supervisor. Or sometimes you need to get away from your employees. These guys got nowhere to go. And I wonder if in the middle of September early October, if these guys are going to be at it, like, I just cannot wait to get the hell away from you. They want to be away from each other. They're practicing together. They're playing together. They're eating together. They're bumping into each other in the hallway. Like they're playing hacky sack together. They're golfing together. Like it's all like, it's all like, it's, uh, it's it's all fun and games, you know, now, but by the time you get to, you know, middle, you know, the middle of, uh, you know, the middle of next month, let's, Look at it this way, too. As the playoffs roll along, remember, you know, we're going to be eliminating six teams in about two weeks. And then, of course, we'll be eliminating more teams after the first round of the playoffs. And then they're going to start. Then they're going to have the second round of playoffs. And then they're going to start allowing family and friends to come in. Well, there are going to be players who have certain family and friends who are left to play in these conference finals who are going to be like, ah, it's not a good idea that you come. Like, it's not a good idea. I'm going to guess. I certainly don't know. I'm going to guess. This is funny. If the Kings are still playing after two rounds of the you know, playoffs, Harrison Barnes' wife isn't going to go to the bubble after what her and, and Harrison Barnes' mom have been through? You know what I mean? But I, I use him as, a, as an example because we're all familiar with what he went through. But what about other players who, you know, with, with, with their wives and their kids and their families, like, hey, you know, we, we've had a pretty good grasp on this thing, but, you know, maybe just wait it out another month and a half and I'll be home. Or there's going to be some that would be like, yeah, I don't want to go do that. Like, I don't want to be trapped inside that. In that complex, even though it sounds like a hell of a complex and it sounds like it'd be fun. I see so many people talking about, you know, and we've tried to in in the, in the there's a reason that this is working. And I think when we stay at hotels, we have this. We know what our vision of staying at a hotel is. Well, we've got we've got turndown service and we've got, you know, room service. And we've got all of these other little things and these interactions with the hotel staff and we've got the doorman and we've got all of this stuff at a hotel. Yeah, dude, it is not that. And it's, it's not, it's not the same type of hotel interaction. These players, these coaches, these NBA personnel, they have very, very extremely little interaction with the day-to-day hotel staff, the staff that is coming and going. That is why this is all working. And knock on wood, man, that it just continues to work. And, you know, the further along that we get into the playoffs, the more likely we are to crown an NBA champion. And, man, games start tonight, and and I honestly, I still can't believe it. I cannot believe games start tonight. The Jazz and the Pelicans... Uh, We'll lead things off. The Pelicans, of course, uh, like virtually everybody else in the Western Conference, they are three and a half games back from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Zion will be a game-time decision, and though I'm quite confident at game time, they'll be like, yeah, let's roll. Uh, But he is listed as a game-time decision after spending 12 days away from the team due due to a family medical emergency. But he is back. He was back at practice yesterday. And this is, you know, you talk about talk about critical games for the Kings. In a much different scenario, you know, the Kings are opening against the San Antonio Spurs who have different, they have different expectations than the Utah Jazz do. But the Utah Jazz are interesting in a sense as well. Because the Jazz is their is, they is, is, their playoff spots, like they're good. And I wonder if Utah is going to be one of those teams who looks at the next eight games as kind of extended scrimmage games. Maybe not to the degree of what we saw, you know, over the last week, but maybe to the degree of, all right, we've run, you know, Donovan and Rudy enough. Like let's, you know, maybe they sit the last five minutes or, you know, in in competitive balance, maybe it's more of a situation of they'll play at the end of the games. They just won't play as many minutes as they might uh, once the seeding games are over and we're in the actual playoffs. I think this is going to be a fascinating thing to watch over the course of the next eight games, and maybe it won't. Maybe it won't take two weeks to figure this out. Maybe it it'll really only take a couple of days of, of how these teams that are locked into the playoff spot. Like look at look at the second game. It's the it's the Lakers versus the Clippers. Those two teams are not going anywhere. They are number one and number two. But what does that mean? Well, it means the Lakers have home court advantage through like what? No. Well, man. Maybe Reggie Miller will tell him like set the theater lighting. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it means. It means they get to play the eighth seed, if that's important. They don't have to play the Clippers again, likely until the conference finals, if that's important. But those two teams aren't 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 going anywhere, even if they flip spots, which which they absolutely won't. Scenario is still exactly the same, except the Lakers are playing the 7th seed. They'll be open up against Dallas. Maybe that's a more difficult matchup for them. I, I, I don't know. I just, what is that game going to look like? And maybe they go all out because they know it's a Thursday night game. Maybe they know it's the first night back. Maybe they're just itching to get back into that game field. Things are going to look a little bit different again than we saw in the scrimmage games. Uh, the setup that the NBA has been doing is going to be different. There are going to be virtual fans there on that video wall. We saw a little bit of it. Uh, particularly the game where it really sticks out is the Miami game. I remember that on that big video wall, which I think is just tremendous. Uh, on that big video wall, they've had fans up there. They're going to be piping in a little bit more noise. It's going to, the, the presentation is going to be just a smidge bit different, though I'd argue that the presentation that the NBA has put out there has been a home run. I'd argue that's the one thing that Major League Baseball has gotten right. Like they've gotten the presentation of most of these games right. Not all of them, but most of them. It's the one thing. That baseball has gotten right in their restart, but things are gonna they're gonna they're gonna look a little bit different, and maybe it's just gonna be a case of, you know, LeBron and 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 those guys and his Lakers and and Kawhi and Paul George and their Clippers and Doc Rivers and they're just gonna be amped and ready to get out there. But does that carry over into like Game Two? Is that maybe like a one time scenario where it's like, all right, it's Thursday night, let's go out there, Uh, everybody, you know, they we've been waiting four and a half months for this, let's get out there, let's ball out, let's do our thing, and then maybe we ramp it down over the next seven games. Or maybe we do, you know, we 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 ramp down, and then we ramp back up right before the playoffs start. But the, again, for a team like the Lakers, for a team like the Bucs, the the, the the Lakers are going to be opening up against an eighth seed, and God bless them, I don't care who the eighth seed is. You know, if it's the Kings, if it's the, if it's the Pelicans or the Blazers or, or, or the Grizzlies. It's going to be... It's going to be a tall order for whoever that eight seed is to battle LeBron and Anthony Davis and that group there in Los Angeles. So, watching how teams like that, particularly the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks, how they handle uh, the next eight games uh, will be interesting. Of course, we've laid all of the teams out. It is an incredibly uh, crowded race for that eight spot. The Pelicans, you know, much like before the shutdown they might have the best chance uh, to get into the playoffs and we all know that the national media is rooting heavily for this the pelicans they have the benefit of the quote easiest strength of schedule among the 22 teams resuming play which that alone cracks me up we're talking about a strength of schedule for teams that haven't played in four and a half months but i get it I get it. Their first two games are against the Jazz and the Clippers. Again, you talk about the, I know I keep going back to the Kings, but hell, this is what we do here. This is a local broadcast. We talk about the first two games that the Kings have versus the first two games that the Pelicans have. It's the Jazz and the Clippers for the New Orleans Pelicans. It's the, it's the Spurs and the magic for the Sacramento Kings. That's pretty cushy, man. And I know when you look at the magic, you go, well, it's not like they're really that much worse than the Kings. And you're right. They're not. They're not that they're 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 the Spider-Man meme. They're pointing at each other. Like, hey, there's probably a point this year where Orlando was much better than Sacramento. Or Orlando's really talented, by the way. I, I don't know what they're missing. I don't know what pieces they've got to put together, but I think they have a lot of quality players that. You know, maybe one more little piece. I'm not ta- – and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about one more piece, putting them in, you know, like sixth spot or fifth spot, not put them in, you know, contention with the Bucks. I'm talking about a young ascending team. I think that's what Orlando is and will ultimately be. But what are they going to be this weekend? Because that's when the Sacramento Kings play them, and that's all that really matters. Or I, I think that game's – I don't know if that game's Sunday or Monday, but um, – you look at those first two games, man, and, and, and what a difference it is for the Pelicans uh, and what a difference it is for the Kings. That game, is on, uh, that game is on Sunday, the Kings and the Magic. And for those who keep track of this type of stuff, it is the Kings at the Magic. BPI projects a, 95, a 95% chance of a play-in tournament for the eighth seed. Uh, with the Pelicans being the only other team with over a 10% chance of making the playoffs. So for those who care about stuff like this, uh, the Grizzlies, uh, according to this index, have a 63% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, The Pelicans, an 18% chance. The Blazers, 9%. 9%. uh, 6% for your Sacramento Kings, 5% for the San Antonio Spurs. I'm so fascinated by this, man. And we've we've done numerous podcasts, whether it be this one or the Sacramento Kings one. We've done numerous podcasts talking about the Kings chances, talking about the Blazers, talking about the Pelicans. I just realized, I just realized that the Suns aren't even in this graphic. The Suns are getting the Sacramento Kings treatment from this graphic I'm looking at. Or maybe they don't, maybe they have zero percent chance of of making the playoffs. I don't know. But what the Jazz are 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 doing will will be will be interesting because they can I mean they can they can move up the Jazz can make up uh you know a game and a half uh, uh, and that's what they trail the Nuggets by that would help them avoid playing the Lakers until the Western Conference Finals maybe those are the types of things that they're looking at in terms of and and let me be clear teams want to win and I, and I don't want to frame this as you know teams are going to be sitting around with their feet up and guys are going to be load of managing over the course of the next eight games. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but do, do, does Utah, does Quinn Schneider and his group, does they, do they look at this and they say, okay, we're not playing for home court advantage, but what we are playing for is a chance to not have to face the Los Angeles Lakers until the Western Conference Finals. Okay, it works. Probably going to have to beat the Clippers along the way, which I think that's a tall task if not an impossible one. Of course, the second game of uh, tonight's Thursday night doubleheader is the Lakers and the Clippers, as we mentioned just a moment ago. The Lakers enter the restart tonight with a a five-and-a-half game lead on the Los Angeles Clippers for the top seed in the Western Conference. They have a 99.7% chance to earn that top spot. That is a pretty comfortable number. The magic number is three uh, with a win tonight pretty much Pretty much locking it up. Like there's, I can't envision a scenario, even though there is a mathematical one. I can't envision a scenario. I can't envision a scenario right now, even if the Lakers lose tonight's game to the Clippers, uh, that they're not going to finish with the top seed. Uh, but a win against the Clippers tonight uh, pretty much uh, locks it up. Kawhi Leonard uh, was 12 of 46 uh, from the floor during the scrimmage games. That's 26%. That's the worst mark among 44 players to attempt at least 30 shots. He is in the company right now of Jaron Jackson Jr., who shot 27.3%, Jerome Robinson, who shot 32.5%, and Carmelo Anthony, who shot 33.3%. The Clippers have won two of their three matchups against the Lakers this season, and most of that has to do with With Kawhi Leonard, Uh, he's dominated the Lakers as they are the only Western Conference team he's averaged 30 points on 50% shooting against. So whatever issues he has had in terms of scrimmage games may all be erased when he steps uh, on the floor tonight against his favorite Western Conference opponent. A portion of his success has come against LeBron James as Leonard is 8 of 11 from the field when LeBron is the primary defender. LeBron, he has struggled. In the first two games versus the Clippers, the Clippers are a very, very defensive-oriented team. Uh, but he picked it up; like he was really, really good in the third matchup. He was the primary, pri- easy for me to say. I'm, I'm in, I'm in scrimmage form here. He was the primary ball handler in the final Clippers matchup in March, and that led to a ton of success. For him, he was able to generate 37 points directly off on-ball screens from that March 8th matchup. Uh, So watch that tonight. Uh, If LeBron is the primary ball handler, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on Kawhi Leonard. and, And if he looks to get into his rhythm really early into the game, and if the Lakers make it to the NBA Finals, Uh, They would join the 1975-76 Suns and the 1976-77 Trailblazers as the only teams to make the NBA Finals following a playoff drought of at least five seasons. For the Clippers, they are looking to reach the conference finals for the first time in franchise history. According to Elias, their 49 seasons without appearing in the round directly preceding the NBA Finals is the longest in league history. Hey! That's good. There's a drought stat that the Kings don't lead in. Good stuff, man. The NBA is back. I, I, I just couldn't ask for much more. You know, th- there's, there's good and there's bad with the NBA return. The good? Kevin Harlan is back on the call. Atlanta, see if we can get some of those chicken wings oh, sent down here to Orlando. Oh, no, you I, did I, we could celebrate <laughs> we, could, we could celebrate the restart with those wings. <laughs> Anyway, guys, that's our story. Kevin Harlan to actually call for the Magic City Wings is, that's pretty spectacular stuff. That's a Kevin Harlan type move. And Kevin Harlan's got the pull to where I believe that Magic City would deliver the Wings from uh, Atlanta to Orlando. I didn't get it. You know, we talked about this after the Lou Williams story broke. I I will wholeheartedly admit, I just, I didn't get it. I did not know eating at strip clubs was a thing. I was not aware of this. Maybe I don't visit. Uh, Gentlemen establishments, if you will, they they don't really do anything for me. However, my man Sean tweeted, uh, he retweeted a picture of 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 someone who, you know, got got some takeout from Magic City, and I saw it, and I was like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. I don't now. Most of you know I don't. I don't eat chicken wings. However, that would that 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 plate would make me reconsider. That would make me reconsider some of my. Life choices as it pertains to the way I eat. Because they looked incredible. And apparently, there's a tremendous article in The Athletic about this. About the Magic City wings. And now that, I've see, I, now that I've seen them, I get it. I get it. Apparently, you go there for two things. One of them is the wings. I just, I had no idea. I feel so left out. How come I didn't know this? Wait, I didn't. I didn't know, and I'm kind of mad about it. I just, I had no idea that people regularly like does Postmates deliver? Like, if you go to, if you're in Atlanta, like, is there a gr? Like, does can you like go into the strip club? Like, what if, what if? I'm just trying to. Can the Postmates driver go into the strip club and grab? You know, hey, I got an order of wings that need to go out. I gotta imagine you can. They looked incredible, man. And then reading about them and how they're, you know, talked about. Like, like, okay, well, I guess I get it now. I didn't get it at first, but Lou I get it now. I don't know that there's a, I don't know. I'm trying to envision a food where it's just like, yeah, i I take the hit for that one. Burger patch. I would take the hit for burger patch. Burger patch food is incredible. Particularly, particularly their milkshakes. Like, you could try to replicate the burger and fries at home the best you can. But their milkshakes, especially if you're a plant-based eater. Oh my gosh, man. It's everything. I'd risk it all. I think I'd risk it all. I would risk it all. I would risk it all for for, for, for Burger Patch. That that is a that is a spot where uh if you caught me, I'd have to serve the the 10-day quarantine period. I'd risk it all right there. There's nothing else happening at Burger Patch than I'm aware of, like there is at Magic City. Uh however, uh that's that is something I would absolutely uh, risk it all for. I hope you got a chance to check out. There was a triple header of WNBA games uh, last night. Sabrina Inescu played in her second game. She was phenomenal. This is the difficulty when you have a star like Sabrina. She was phenomenal last night 33 points, seven assists, seven rebounds. First Liberty player with 35 and five in a game over the last five seasons. So that's like the good news. Like she's super exciting. She has the ball in her hand, she's going to make plays. But there's like seven rookies on the New York Liberty. And they lost by 13. That's going to happen a lot. Serena's going to have these monster games with eye-popping numbers. And then you're going to look at the final score and you're going to see, yeah, like the Liberty lost, you know, in this case, their second in a row. You'll look back later in the season like, yeah, they lost their, you know, they lost the last five out of seven. They're just, they're a young team. Their head coach is super young. Like he's 30, I think four, 35 Young guy there. And that's actually the formula for those who, who are just now getting into the WNBA or perhaps you're not into it yet. When you look at how the dynasty of what the Minnesota Lynx were, it required a number of different things. They won the lottery on multiple occasions. They, it, you know what else it required? It required the Sacramento Monarchs to fold. When the Sacramento Monarchs folded, the Minnesota Lynx had the worst record in the league, therefore they got to pick. Uh, they got to pick who they wanted when the Sacramento Kings or when the Sacramento Monarchs folded. The dispersal draft, and Rebecca Brunson was the first was the first pick of the draft. She went to to Minnesota, and I remember seeing Rebecca that first year. She took the first couple of games of the season off. She was like, man. I don't know about this. Like, this is this is, this is going to be tough. Like, this team is a bit of a struggle. And it was like, yeah, just, you know, hang in there, get through this. They won the lottery that year. They traded the number one pick to Connecticut for Lindsey Whalen. I'm very familiar with that deal because that was the year that Kara signed with Connecticut. Lindsey Whalen went to Minnesota. And they got the number one pick with that. Uh, or the, the, they traded the number one pick. So they loaded up there, and they still stunk. So after trading the number one pick, getting an established point guard, you got Rebecca Brunson, a very established post. You had Simone Augustus, by the way, who was dealing with a, like a, like a, uh, like I gosh, I don't, I hope, I feel like, I think she had like a hysterectomy that year. Like she was dealing with a brutal, brutal injury. And she was away most of the season. And when she came back, like she just never got into, she just couldn't get going. So they stunk that year with all WNBA players, Rebecca Brunson, Lindsey Whalen, and Simone Augustus. They finished, they won the lottery that year and they finished with the worst record in the league, won the lottery that year and drafted Maya Moore. Same thing has happened with, the, and we know what they went on to do. Same thing has happened with the Las Vegas Aces. They stunk for so many, they, they, they won like a random lottery that was like, whoa, they didn't have the best chance to win this lottery, and they did. And they've been able to draft top-tier players, you know, Asia Wilson. They've been able to, you know, to accumulate studs. And if this season were taking place under normal circumstances, I'd argue that the, that the Las Vegas Aces would be, you know, one of the favorites to win the WNBA championship. But that's what Sabrina Inescu is going to have to deal with for probably another year or two. A lot of losing. Hopefully having a front office that drafts the right players, and then you build from there. Uh, but Dallas got the best of them uh, last night. Indiana got the best of Phoenix. Uh, Candace Dupree is so good. She had 23 points, 9 rebounds. I'd argue she's one of the most underrated players uh, in in recent WNBA memory, Brittany Griner had 23 points. Rough night for uh, for Diana Taurasi. I'm like she was like one of five. She was one of five. She played damn near 30 minutes. I've never seen her not be aggressive before, and she was not aggressive uh, last night. Phoenix has now lost seven straight games, including the playoffs, dating back to last season. Speaking of uh, the Las Vegas Aces, they won big against the Atlanta Dream. 100 to 70. So basketball is in full force. A lot of those games are on NBA TV. A lot of them are on CBS, CBS Sports Network. Uh, so make sure you check those out, man. If you're a basketball nut, you'll love those games. I promise you, you'll have a blast watching the WNBA and you'll have a blast watching Sabrina Inescu. She's really good. She is a playmaker. maker. Uh, lists are always fun and lists always piss people off. Before we get to the NFL players list that was unveiled yesterday on the NFL Network. want to remind you that uh, the Patreon account is still alive and kicking. If you want bonus content each and every single week, head over to patreon.com slash Damien Barling and see what we got going over there. I just dropped a new episode of Be Conscious yesterday. It's one that I had wanted to do for a while but was a little bit nervous about because I thought it was too the term that I used as I was recording it, I thought it was too basic. I thought it was too simple. I thought it was something that that everybody would kind of already be familiar with. But I decided to do a in-depth podcast on what happened to Breonna Taylor. And so that is available for, for you right now uh, on patreon.com slash Damien Barling. The podcast t-shirts are available for you. On the dope ones.com, Please go check that out. The dopeones.com. Check out the Damien Barling collection. Uh, we're going to have more t shirts going up in the next couple of days. Uh, so make sure not just t shirts, uh, but we're going to have quite a bit more podcast gear uh, going up uh, on that website here very shortly. The dopeones.com. Go check out not only our podcasts uh, or our t shirts, but everything else uh, available there for you on the website as well. So lists are always a fun way. To piss people off. Uh, and the this list is always fascinating because it's put together by the NFL players. This isn't put together by the media. This isn't put together by fans. This list that the NFL Network unveils every year is put together by the NFL players. And for years and years and years, Aaron, it feels like forever, Aaron Donald has been voted the number one player by other NFL players. I've, I've seen some people refer to him like, well, Aaron Donald is creeping into the category of Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is always in the conversation as the greatest football player of all time. There is zero question he is the greatest player at his, receiver, at, at, at his position. There's no question he's the greatest wide receiver ever. But a lot of people say, well, how do you judge the greatest football player? And I have no idea how you judge the greatest football player. I just know that Jerry Rice is always in that conversation. And many people will not just put him in the conversation. They'll say he is the answer to that question as to who is the greatest football player of all all time. Aaron Donald seems to be creeping into that conversation as well. Aaron Donald is so good and so dominant at his position, uh, many people are are starting to refer to him as he may be the greatest football player that we've ever seen. However, he was not voted the top player by NFL players uh, this year. Uh, Derek Henry was voted at number 10, uh, which feels like recency bias. But like, okay, like I'm I'm with it. These are NFL players. like I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. Stephon Gilmore was number nine. I think he's underappreciated. I'm with that. DeAndre Hopkins, number eight. Your George Kittle from the San Francisco 49ers at number seven. Christian McCaffrey at number six. Michael Thomas, year in and year out, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Number four, Patrick Mahomes. I was trying to remember his middle name, and I think his middle name is Lamar. Is it Patrick Lamar Mahomes? I'm almost positive that that's accurate, and I'm going to pause everything I'm doing to do that fun bit where I look up something as we're talking. Oh, it's Lavon, Close. Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Aaron Donald was number three, Russell Wilson, number two, and the reigning MVP voted as the best player in the NFL by his peers, Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Dang, oh, it's heavy, oh, hey, that's crazy. You know, I used to always watch like the top 100s on YouTube and NFL network and stuff like that. Not like thinking I actually be the number one player. Like, damn, that's crazy. I'm really speechless right now. (laughs) uh... That's got to be cool because I think, I don't think it's out of pocket to say athletes put more stock into stuff that is awarded to them by their peers versus by, us (laughs) like us <laughs> you know what I mean by like fans or by by media I think they put a lot more stock into it like for you know if in that clip they were handing Lamar Jackson the trophy that says you know he was voted the uh, the number one player by his peers and that just has to be an extraordinary feeling especially for a guy who's what now in his second year or he just finished his second year like hey you know, the players in the NFL, they think you are the absolute best in the game. That's got to be tremendous for them because they're saying that you're better than Patrick Mahomes. They're saying that you're better than Aaron Donald. They're saying that you're better than Russell Wilson. That's got to be an extraordinary feeling for him, man. I'm, so, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. But Patrick Mahomes? Patrick Mahomes isn't the best. And and again, this isn't best quarterback. This is the best football player. Are there things that Lamar Jackson does that are better than Patrick Mahomes? I love Russell Wilson. There isn't a player in this top 10 that I don't have mad love for. You know, I'm I'm not a fan of any team out there. I'm just a fan of players. And I love each and every one of these players but i i i mean i don't know i it would have been difficult for me to put lamar jackson at number 1 and not have patrick mahomes at number 2 i mean again i love russell wilson and i'm just i'm fascinated again these are this is from a player's perspective like what does a player see in lamar jackson that makes him say oh lamar lamar's lamar's better than here's why lamar's better than patrick mahomes or here's why LeBron is better. Here here's why Lamar is marginally better than Russell Wilson or Aaron Donald or Patrick Mahomes. I'm I'm curious. Like what is what is the what is the description there? How do you explain that? Here's what he does better. I love Lamar Jackson, man. I'm happy for him. I I feel like I just went full Full John Gruden on you. I love Lamar Jackson, man. And a team that I often fall for are the Chargers. Uh, The Chargers, you know, this is, this isn't, this was, I think we talked about this yesterday or the day before. Uh, Anthony Lynn, obviously a big fan of the podcast here, confirmed it for us. Um, Anthony Lynn doesn't think that their rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, can get enough reps over the course of the next month and some change to become the starter. To Rod Taylor, according to Anthony Lynn, here's a quote from from Anthony Lynn, he'll probably be our day one starter. I think we were just talking about this. And that's not I I'm I'm not against that. I I'm still I I don't know. I guess I'm still hung up on the fact they didn't sign Cam Newton. Or, or I, I, I guess maybe they attempted to trade for Cam Newton, but it didn't I, I'm not really sure how that story went. I don't know what to believe as it pertains to any of that. But I, I feel like this is probably a good expectation to set for Justin Herbert because physical reps are limited. Uh, they're going to be extremely limited this year because of uh, obviously the virus because of the ramp up you know with guys right now over the course of the next you know 12, 13 days just doing conditioning workouts there are, you know conditioning weight lifting things like that and in kind of an ease into into padded practices uh where he'll get actual you know live rounds uh, so i think that's you know it's it's like a hey get in here get comfortable learn the nfl system learn the nfl way of life uh follow torrid taylor and what he does there's something about Tarad taylor that's obviously a very good it, it obviously puts him in a very good kind of mentorship category uh and I, I was a fan of Terah Taylor years ago, uh, so I don't really know what this is going to amount to, but I keep looking at the Chargers and I go, man, they, they seem to have the, the, the physical gifts. Like, I'm not going to pick them to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not going to f- pick them to win the AFC West, but if you told me I had to pick a team to finish second in the AFC West, for me, it's got to be the Chargers. Broncos seem to have gotten a little bit better last year. I'm not buying into the Raiders. Though I do think the Raiders have some interesting pieces. I don't know that they're better than the Chargers. I don't even know what the Chargers... I I, I don't know. Again, much like this NBA restart, what this NFL season looks like is going to be so... It's just going to be so unique. So different. And, you know, maybe by... Maybe if they have... If, unlike America, they have a grasp of how to handle this COVID virus, you know, maybe they can get into a, a, a normal routine. Maybe they can get into a normal routine where we start, you know, it's just, it's football. It's football. They're geared towards football. We're not worried about anything else from them. They're just geared towards football. And then you 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 start operating, everything is normal. Oh, like, well, they've got Mondays off and they come back for Tuesdays and they get their workouts in, in the midst of all of the COVID testing that they're going to have to do. But it's obviously going to be a unique year for the NFL. So uh, if we're even able to get a season, uh, we've got to consider that a win. And the fact that we are getting uh, the restart of the NBA season tonight is a massive win. Obviously, tomorrow we'll have a ton of time to talk about the Sacramento Kings and their first matchup against the San Antonio Spurs. But tonight it is about the Pelicans and the Jazz. I assume everybody listening is a massive fan of the Utah Jazz tonight. Then, of course, the second game, the Lakers and the Clippers, LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and Paul George. I'm happy I was wrong. I'm so happy I was wrong. I hope the zero positive test trend that has been in the bubble in Orlando for the National Basketball Association, I hope it continues uh, for the next couple of weeks. I hope it continues for the next several months. I hope we're able to crown an NBA champion Without any sort of breakout like we saw in the first couple of days of the Major League Baseball restart. By the way, how how freaking Major League Baseball of them to suspend Joe Kelly for throwing at the Houston Astros? He should have gotten a raise. He should be applauded. We had a great suggestion uh, on the text line yesterday. I think it was from my man, Steve, who said, you know, the, the one thing that, that Major League Baseball got wrong with this piped in crowd noise is that they should have. The charger, the Astros should be booed everywhere they go. Every building in there should just be massive boos with boo cutouts. Biggest sports story we were robbed of this year is the Venom. And I'm glad, I told you, I don't believe, I I am 100% against throwing at players. But now, maybe in this case, I'm only 99% against throwing at players. And those dudes are, not only are those dudes cheaters, man, but they got away with it. The Astros cheated. They got away with it. They like collectively bargained their way out of being punished. And Joe Kelly gets punished for throwing at them. Goodness gracious, man. Of course, baseball suspensions are always so stupid, especially when you're a pitcher. He's going to miss like one start, but still. I'd argue it was worth it. And if that happens in the next game, so be it. There's got to be some comeuppance for the Houston Astros. Now, yeah, maybe throwing at them isn't the right thing to do. But it didn't hurt my feelings either. Appreciate you all so much for being here. Remember, the thedopeones.com for your podcast gear. Uh, be conscious. Check us out Check us out on the patreon.com slash Barling. We appreciate you so much for being here. We'll see you tomorrow, the Friday edition of the podcast with Damian Barling.